This is MedTech Africa, the podcast where we showcase digital health and health technology innovations from across Africa. My name is Sam Oti, and I'm your host. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Peace Ndoli Iragua. She is the co-founder and chief operating officer at Lifestan Health based out of Kigali, Rwanda. Lifestan Health is using digital technology to enable people to make smarter choices about their health and well-being. Peace will be telling us all about how they got started and all the amazing things they have achieved so far. Thank you for joining us and do enjoy the conversation. Hello, Peace, and welcome to MedTech Africa. How are you doing today and how is Kigali? Thank you, Dr. Sam. I'm doing well. Uh, it's rainy in Kigali, but everything is good. And thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And I miss Kigali already. You know, I was there just a couple of weeks ago for the Africa Health Agenda International Conference. Wow, what an event. Great organization, magnificent facilities you guys have at the Kigali Convention Center, and uh, lots of great sessions, including the one you you were a panelist on. Congratulations on that! Thank you, thank you so much. Well, let's let's dive right into it. Let us start by learning a bit about yourself. What is your professional background, and how did you get into the digital health space? Oh, so my my uh, undergrad. Uh, I did it in human nutrition and dietetics, and so I worked as a nutritionist in different clinical settings in Rwanda. And my uh, master's is in global health delivery, so still clinical setting. So working as a nutritionist, most of the cases I dealt with were about communicable diseases like uh, diabetes, hypertension, and the like. And for me, I think my attention came up. So uh, usually people's founding stories have uh, an exact death, an exact story. But on my end, I think it's stories which built up to this. There were lots of events that uh, collectively influenced me to start uh, my current organization. So I think this started by seeing this non-communicable disease in young people. And the cases we get, I'll say in Rwanda, but also in most of developing countries, people seek healthcare when it's usually a little bit too late. And routine checkups are not our things, and we don't see them as a necessity. And as a result, uh, you get to the hospital when there, is, there isn't much to do, except put you on medication, and the disease is chronic, so now it's for life. And most of these, of these diseases are preventable. By the, putting the right measures in place, you'll be able to prevent yourself from getting these diseases. And what worried me the most, uh, especially with young people, is that uh, we're the ones who indulge more in uh, risk factors. Here I'm talking about poor health, eating habits, drinking, smoking, physical inactivity, and the rest. So we're the ones with the risk factors and we're the ones less informed with this disease. And if you look at the health system, the way it's designed, it's more focusing on communicable diseases and with urbanization and the sedentary lifestyle, it also needs to evolve towards prevention and management of non-communicable diseases. And if you look at the numbers, the big numbers don't lie, 
like currently in Rwanda, Kenya, and other sub-Saharan countries, three out of three uh, mortalities are caused by these diseases. And for Rwanda, 55% of all hospital admissions are by non-communicable diseases. So as both a healthcare practitioner, I recognize that what we're doing wasn't working honestly. And if you look at the numbers today, risk factors, if nothing is done in years, they will join the percentage of the people now living with those diseases. So that's how I moved into uh, preventative care. And my first concern was making people aware that these diseases are there and you can prevent yourself from getting them. You are speaking my language right there when you talk about non-communicable diseases because I spent almost 10 years of my professional career working on uh, preventing chronic diseases in informal populations in Africa. And my PhD was also on that. So you are definitely speaking uh, my language. So let's let's go back to, to how you founded or co-founded uh, Lifestand. You mentioned um, uh, that this was all triggered by your desire to, to tackle this growing burden of non-communicable diseases, especially uh, among young people. So tell us, how did you meet your co-founders? First of all, who are they? Who are your co-founder or co-founders? How did you meet them? And how did you come up with this idea of Lifestand? So uh, when when I got interested in prevention care for non-communicable diseases, I started participating in different programs by the government that focuses on uh, screening for hypertension and diabetes. And that helped me uh, carry out my research and get more information on, on these diseases, uh, especially in my setting. And then uh, my first idea, uh, as every other business, to get to the final one, you first have like more than 10 ridiculous ideas before you get to the right one or the one you think is the right one. So when I started, uh, my thoughts were I wanted to create like a one-stop center because there is fragmentation in the care being provided to even the people living with this diseases. You go to a clinic, they're like, you have diabetes, please eat well, drink a lot of water and take the meds. But honestly, is that enough? What does eat well mean? How much should I eat? When? What? All those answers are left unanswered. And we sent patients back home to figure out this by themselves. And that the medication you're providing is not going to work. It's, it's not being backed up by a holistic approach uh, where we, we look at the, uh, that the other factors affecting the health of a person. So we need, we need to look at the mental health. We, look, we need to look at the physical health, the nutritional health, and not uh, just focus on the medics. So, I wanted to create that one-stop center, a physical center, where people can come and get diagnosis, treatment, nutritional care, physiotherapy, all that. And so I joined uh, an entrepreneurship program, but I'm not a tech person. So I wanted to get more information on, on fast running a business and also incorporating technology in a health solution. So I joined the program by um, Alan and Gilgrave Philanthropy called Jaziri. And so I continued my research, uh, and, but I was, and I was presenting at that time it was online, it was during COVID. 
as I was presenting my project, the person who went right close to me, he was this guy called Stephen. So he wanted to do the one-stop mobile intervention for non-communicable diseases. And the whole time I was like, where did this guy get my presentation? Because he's literally saying what I've just said. So we texted each other on Zoom. They're like, I think we should probably have a call. So we had the call, we shared uh, our findings, and then he's from Kenya. We were like, we're literally working on the same thing in just different countries and maybe tiny, tiny differences, but we definitely think it was so obvious. We definitely should work together because they're solving the same problem with a similar approach. So that's how I found my current co-founder. His name is Stephen Ogeno from Kenya and passionate, really passionate about non-communicable diseases. He's been in that sector for a while. Uh, he has a lot of uh, non-profit organizations working with the, on non-communicable diseases in Kenya. So yeah, that's how we started working together. Wow, sounds like a match made in, in heaven. So glad yes. that you guys had such a great fortune to meet each other and not just meet, but to sort of put your ideas together into what is now Lifestand. So so let's go into the nuts and bolts of it. What exactly does Lifestand do? Or, or what is Lifestand? So Lifestand Health, it focuses on helping in individuals improve their overall health and wellness. And how how do we do this? Uh, we design incentive-based wellness programs where we create fun, exciting ex- experiences, but that are also rewarding to our users. So we have three major functionalities. Uh, the current solution we have is a mobile application. And what, what you're able to do on the mobile application, but it's screening for blood pressure. So you get to screen yourself using your, so there's remote blood pressure screening using your mobile phone. And then with the data we get, we give you recommendations. So daily challenges and the nutrition, physical and mental health. So for every challenge you do, you collect coins. These coins are called life coins, and they're just not nonsense uh, uh, points. They actually mean something. So when you collect coins, now uh, you can redeem them for an actual reward. And the rewards include uh, like a gym subscription, a massage, a spa treatment, meeting a psychologist, uh, this, uh, getting a screening, getting nutrition care, uh, some discounts on some uh, nutritional products or supplements. So we have partners who are service providers in the sectors uh, we're tackling. And so those service providers have uh, offered us, offered, uh, offers rewards to our users. And so for every activity you do, for every engagement you do on the app, you get rewarded for it, which we believe is the motivation needed because uh, getting healthy is not a joke. It's really hard. It's really hard. And that's why it's very hard for a lot of people to keep it up even when you start. So that's why we even incorporated a community aspect where you're able to uh, now have a community create or join an existing community on the platform. So I can choose to create a community and invite my friends 
we can let's say if it's a hike we're doing together if it's a jog and then i can see how my friends are doing and then we have that community belonging which i believe will motivate uh, people to do better and also to check up on each other uh, what's happening the slacking behind and then if you don't want to create you can join an existing uh, group depending on what they do and your interest you can choose to join a certain group that's already exists so that's how life works that's what we do very interesting. Sound like you've found a way to gamify a wellness program, uh, basically, and, and digitize it as well. But I, I, I sense that you have a very specific kind of customer in mind, possibly not one in a rural area with a feature phone, uh, with low health literacy. So, so tell us about your customer. Who is your target customer? So our target customer is you. <laughs> so starting with you, <laughs> that everyone, because if we're being honest, everyone is at a risk, depending on your lifestyle. But yes, we have a specific focus, and the specific focus is young people who are the below 35 years old and above 18 years old. And why are we focusing on this specific age group? It's because that's when we make a lot of risky behaviors and that's when uh, people can go partying for a whole weekend and that's when we don't see the value in eating healthy or considering what to eat or giving value to the things we're consuming but it's also when we look at the mental health and its correlation to this that some of this not but it is it a lot of research shows that this is when people are finding themselves, if I might uh, call it that, and getting used to the world and adapting, and that comes with a, with a lot of pressure. That's when you get your first job. And all that, all that workplace stress, uh, all that getting used to new things, in a way, affects your mental health. So that's when you really need support. And we believe that if we, we develop those behaviors early, then there is a high probability of uh, even taking that when you go about 45 years. And the other reason why we focus on that age group is because most of the interventions designed by the government usually focuses on the people who are above 45, because research shows that that's when your, uh, your body kind of is more at the risk and it doesn't have the immunity more uh, as strong immunity as it did when you were younger. So you're more at the risk of getting this non-communicable diseases. But then sometimes it's, uh, it's very hard to change your behaviors when you're in your late 40s, for example, or early 50s. But if you train yourself in your early 20s uh, on these behaviors, healthy behaviors, we believe it will be easier uh, as the ages go by. Got it, got it. Well, I am in my my mid forties, so I I am a lost cause uh, as far <laughs> as far as lifestyle is concerned. <laughs> well, okay, that's on a light note, but but it's good that you are focusing on the young people. Um, in my time in the non-communicable disease space, you are right. A lot of the emphasis was on uh, older people, and we are not seeing a lot of investment in uh, funding on innovations, on research, et cetera. 
uh, on NCDs in younger people. So it's great that you are uh, catching them young, so to say. So, so what kind of traction have you achieved so far? So uh, um, we're very impact oriented, and so we look at the, how many people have we been able to reach, and so it's the value we're bringing to the community. But in terms of uh, bigger milestones, end of 2022, Life Stand won the Award of Innovator there in Rwanda, which is organized by the Ministry in Charge of Innovation, and that that was huge for us. Uh, because it justifies the work we're doing and the, ne- and the necessity of it. But also, it does not only validate uh, our work, but in a way, it opens up more opportunities. So uh, one of those opportunities is an opportunity to work with the government and the Novartis Foundation on these projects that uh, we're already starting. We all will be screening around 300,000 people in Kigali City uh, for hypertension and get them to the platform, how to use it. And yeah, so we think that that's big, mostly because it, it will spread our reach, we'll be able to get to more people, but also it opens more doors for lifespan and the work we're doing. Great stuff. Great stuff. So, what what keeps you up at night? What are some of the challenges you have faced so far? When when I was doing uh, my work in NCDs, uh, one thing that kept us up at night was when we go and screen people, uh, especially in the informal settlements, and refer them to get treatment, there was no health, there was no treatment available because, like you said, the health system is oriented towards communicable diseases. So they would go to a, a primary healthcare facility and there'll be no medication for hypertension or, or diabetes. So that kept us up at night and we had to eventually create our own vertical program, unfortunately, but that's all we, that, that was the only option we had to sort of now serve these uh, communities. So what kinds of challenges are you facing? What keeps you up at night? Okay, thank you for mentioning that, that example. Because it kind of resembles uh, what we go through on a daily basis. So the first, the first uh, issue we have is the strict regulations around healthcare businesses, mostly because there is a gap when it comes to health and technology. So we are in some instances where we try to add the health business. And some other times were a tech business. So that kind of in itself is a challenge because then you don't know where you belong. If it's under the Ministry of Health, they're like, no, we think you're in tech. If you go to tech, they'll be like, these are health issues. So you belong in health. And at some point, it's very hard, very hard even getting the right approval. Who is giving you those approvals if you're not even sure which sector do you belong to? Because yes, we're in health, but we're leveraging on technology. So that's one of the first issues we faced. And yeah, but we've been getting a lot of support from, from the government, from the Ministry of Vices and Ministry of Health. But I've seen, I've seen, I've seen cases where uh, they come and new health tech business and literally, they have to draft the regulations for that business 
because there haven't been any other businesses in the country like that one. So this is a new sector and every new thing comes with its own challenges. And going back to the example you gave, the healthcare providers themselves, they're like, sometimes they pull me on the side when I'm pitching uh, the lights and when I'm pitching lights and they're like, but why not shift hospital? I'm like, we have hospitals. So the problem here is not the hospitals. So there is the, when it comes to healthcare and technology, I think we haven't gotten there for even the system to understand the necessity of technology in the solutions we're providing in healthcare delivery. So it's very hard to go to these people who you're supposed to send clients to, who you're supposed to develop this solution with, and then you have to take another time to explain what this does and why it's necessary. But with time, uh, I believe it gets better. Some people start understanding the necessity of now giving control to the client. They always don't have to come to the facilities which are already overburdened. So there's things people can do by themselves if we give them that power to do so, which is what we're trying to do at Lifespan. And one other challenge I would say is around uh, when a business in health is our traction, uh, especially when you're raising funds, investors want to see numbers. They try to see how much revenue, uh, how many users do you have? And in health, these are things that take time. You cannot compare it to any other sector because even the approvals that you mentioned might take more than 12 months, two years. But on top of that, you really have to be careful. You have to study the market. You have to consult healthcare providers. You have to consult the relevant ministries and get it right to the door. So all that takes time. And then when you're talking to these investors and they're like, you've been working for two years, how much are you making? And you say them an interesting numbers. Everyone, if, even, even when they were interested, the interest goes down by a very big percentage. So yeah, I'd say those are the main challenges uh, yeah, Lifespan has faced so far. I feel you. I know a lot of tech startups, especially health tech startups, uh, are facing the issue of traction because and adoption because uh, health tech is, is relatively new for, for many of us, right? And I find COVID such a, sort of accelerated our interest in telemedicine and virtual care, et cetera. But uh, to be fair, you know, that was an aber aberration. If not for COVID, a lot of us still prefer brick and mortar uh, healthcare services. So gaining traction is something that I think will take time for a lot of, of health tech startups. So let's switch gears a bit. You know, one of the things I promised my audience when I was launching this uh, podcast was that I was really going to find, make that extra effort to bring women in tech on the podcast because they are an underrepresented group. So I'm so glad that you accepted to be on the podcast. But have you faced any challenges specifically as a woman in technology? Uh, and what are those challenges, if you don't mind sharing? I'm so glad you asked this because I was planning to talk about it whether you asked or not. So I'm glad it came for you. <laughs> Please go ahead. And I... Yeah, so gender-specific challenges. 
those are many. But what I always uh, want to emphasize on is that the our citizens will focus on women empowerment, women in STEM, uh, and yes, they go ahead and do these uh, STEM combinations, come out with flying colors, get these jobs. But then we failed to look at the working systems, the workshop systems now we please, and then accommodating to these women you've trained in STEM. Is the environment, does the environment work for those women? And why I'm saying this is that when when we're setting a life then people will always be surprised when they learn that I was a co-founder. So they thought I just worked there. And then they'll come into our office and sometimes ask what they would. And I'm like, yeah, you can talk to me. They're like, mm-mm, where's the other guy? I'm like, I'm the co-founder. If you have anything about life then you you can talk to me. So besides that, their conversations will, because we work with partners a lot. So there are people I, I approach and maybe they don't say it to your face, but then they're reluctant. Or what do you do? And then they're like, mm, again, what did you do in your, in your high school? What did you do in your bachelor's? Uh, are there doctors on your team? They're like, I'll get back to you in that text month. And when my co-founder goes, uh, sometimes he comes back with the same, and I can promise you it has nothing to do with our pitching skill. But even the the society, even the society we live in, when we started, I got a lot of advice from people who are who are. I say they meant well, but then they'll be like, "Peace with the way you're nice, uh, smiling, talking to people." Saying height, that's not going to work. You need to be strict. You need to be kind of harsh to the to your employee, or this is not going to get anywhere. And if I'm being honest, I tried that for a while. I was I wasn't being myself. No normal conversations. I come in, you only talk about work. I'm very strict. And yeah, I wasn't I wasn't myself. And that's very draining. That's very draining. And I've seen this trend in a lot of uh, females in leadership position because you think that's how leadership is. But we don't differentiate that there are uh, feminine leadership traits and masculine leadership traits. And they're all important, but we don't have to use one. And you have to use what you're strong in. So in a way, I was competing with men to be a man, and I will never ever be successful. So it was really draining, and so it's like wearing a mask. And then at some point, I just stopped. I stopped and became myself. And as a startup, you really need to see how feminine uh, leadership traits are very useful when you're building up a business, because the whole thing is built on trust. It's built on uh, relationships you have with the people you're working with. And overall, the interpersonal relationships within the team. So, yeah, by adopting that, and that this is the advice I always give to women, uh, women in leadership positions or who are running businesses. And like, you, 
you really need to tap into the power you have as a woman. Do not be a man. It doesn't require you to be a man or act like a man to be successful. We're all different because we bring different, different, very useful traits or characteristics to the table. And that's how, that's how these things work. We bring in different skills, different personalities, and this makes the things go forward. And one thing I emphasize on a life then is to use the gender lens when, when we're designing a resolution. Because I'll give you an example. I think the study came out 2020 or 2021 about uh, how more women uh, are likely to be affected in accidents than males because when seatbelts were being designed, they were tested on males. So when they're tested on males, then like most medications, then they do not work for the female or they don't work as we should. So that's something I emphasize on to use gender lens when you're looking at designing, starting from the designing stage up until the implementation. Looking at the gender factors that might affect the utilization of the solution they're providing and how you can tackle that. So yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. Very well said. I mean, so many structural biases, intersecting biases that, that women face, but I'm so glad that you've been able to find your yourself again <laughs> uh, and, and continue to be the amazing person that, that, you seem, uh, that you seem to be. So what next for, for Lifestand? What, what are your dreams? What are your visions over the next couple of years? If money was not a thing, <laughs> if wishes were horses... Uh, where do you see life then in the next couple of years? So uh, as you know, there are a lot of NCDs and at the moment we're only focusing on hypertension, which leaves out a whole big range of other non-communicable diseases people should know about and their preventative measures. So uh, maybe midterm, midterm, we're looking at introducing workplace programs so now if it's not an individual, uh, you go to work services and then you get a, a subscription to the lifespan uh, interventions where you can get nutritional care, physical care, mental health care, and also uh, all related to non-communicable diseases. So we're working on introducing those workplace programs. But on top of that, we're looking at uh, adding diabetes management. Uh, to the existing screening and management framework and to want to add more features to the prevention and management of other non-communicable diseases. Uh, so yeah, that's why we're doing more uh, market research, collaborating with different associations like Diabetes Association and also user testing uh, to ensure the, that the solutions we're creating are user-friendly. And also, uh, long term, we're looking to scale, starting with Kenya, but also at the African countries. And we're also planning to leverage on the data that will be collected and uh, publish articles or on the trends, uh, on behaviors around uncommunicable diseases and the solution, especially in young people. 
So yeah, I think the data that will be collected overall will inform future interventions uh, with the design by lifespan or other organizations, governments, uh, non-profit organizations, etc. Great stuff. Well, I really wish you and Lifestan all the best. Been such a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you for making the time. And uh, I hope I see you again, maybe in another conference or whenever our paths cross. Obviously, if you're ever in Nairobi, please give me a shout. Yeah, I'll be in Nairobi soon. So I'll see you soon. And thank you so much for having me. This was great. And yeah, wishing you all the best. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. MedTech Africa is produced and hosted by Sam Oti and co-edited by yours truly, Veronica Sander Ochiambo. The goal of MedTech Africa is to provide a platform for showcasing digital health and health tech innovations across the African continent. Please reach out to us if you have any thoughts on this episode or recommendations of African health innovators that you'd like us to host on the show. You can find our contact details in the episode show notes. Finally, be sure to subscribe to MedTech Africa on your preferred podcast platform. And if you have a moment, please leave us a great review because it really helps other people to find the show. Thanks again for listening and we hope you join us in our next episode.